This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. That was transfer deadline day, but could there still be a twist because... We are delighted to announce the loan signing of goalkeeper Jordan Smith from Nottingham Forest for the remainder of the 2022-23 Skybet Championship season. Skipper Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. I'm on the wine. Oh. He's on He's on the wine. We're back home at the John Smiths, but it's like your parents are getting a divorce. It's pretty grim, isn't it? But we'll try and make it a bit more fun for you all. Uh, it's the warm-up episode 99. It's Brady and Tom. We're previewing the QPR game, and we're joined by Matt Shaw. Matt, how does it feel to do a podcast in 2023? This must be a new experience for you, right? Not thrilled about it, to be honest, Brady. It's uh, sounded pretty shit, to be honest, are they? <laughs> so... <laughs> They are, they are. Um, do you, Tom, do you want to, hello, by the way, um, do you want to be a cheeky sod like myself and tease Matt at all? Um, no, Brady, come on. It's it's like being in uh, Takes That Chance podcast royalty, isn't it, whenever Matt's involved. So it's always a privileged, privilege, privileged. Start this one well. Let's uh, let's keep going. Oh, you're such a kiss off. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, though. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> this has gone well. You can tell we're a bit rusty. To be honest, we uh, we're not sure we want to preview this game because uh, we'll talk briefly about the Coventry game. But it made me feel really flat, Tom. It, it was disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was rubbish. I I actually I think I've been reasonably positive the last few weeks when I think back to previous podcasts, but I think that was one of the the first games where I've actually thought, what what were they doing? I get playing tight, right? I totally get that. Playing tight, making it compact. But there were so many instances from Saturday where we literally had about, it seemed like 10 players in the box and no one was doing anything outside of it. And Coventry had so much time to kind of pick where they wanted to go and stuff. And it, I just, yeah, it really frustrated me. That's a, I think that's the first time I've, I've been a bit a, a bit annoyed by a, a performance under Fotheringham, to be honest, because I kind of get what situation we're in, and I know you've got to build from defence, but 
yeah, it was it wasn't good. It was not good at all. And uh, Matt, we normally uh, get to listen to you guys talk about the, the defeats, as it seems to be at the moment. Can't talk about wins um, to help us, you know, feel a bit better about it. So uh, I know you didn't get a chance to do a Coventry pod. So why don't you make us all feel a little bit better and uh, get it out of your system about how rubbish town are? Oh, do you know what? I wish I was, I was as patient as Tom to say that was the only game under Matt Fotheringham that is <laughs> felt a bit disillusioned. I thought it was absolutely shit, I'll be honest. Really, really shit. It was 90 minutes of defend the box with a 5-4-1, 11 men behind the ball with absolutely no intention of getting past the halfway line. It was crap. Um, it was really, really crap. And I can't stress that enough, especially when, you know, you're coming up against a team that's not one in six. Tissues. Coventry were no great shakes at all in this game. Uh, and we've just sat on the edge of our box and done absolutely nothing. Um, he's picked two inside forwards out wide. Uh, neither of them are going to carry the ball up the pitch and carry the team up the pitch. He's picked two wing backs who can't get past halfway line. Um, it's a flat back five. Um, Scott High, bless him, in midfield. He's not really going to do an awful lot with absolutely zero movement around him. Same with Jonathan Hogg, who we understand he's there for his leadership qualities and not his, um, not so much his uh, second ball winning ability and, uh, you know, charging around and closing people down like he used to do four or five years ago. There was absolutely nothing. The the, the game showed me nothing. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't be as annoyed about that game if Mike Fotheringham hadn't come out at the end and actually tried to paint this off as a good result. Um, he keeps telling us every week, Huddersfield Town fans are the best in the league. He's not blinding me with kindness because, I, you know, you can't tell us we're the best fans in the league and then bullshit us by telling us how good a performance it was. It wasn't. Um was a really really poor performance and I understand he has to be partially you can tell why we've not done a podcast for ages is it all the rage is coming out now but you can no, tell <laughs> you can tell why uh, you can essentially tell why um or understand why he has to be positive at the end of the game but don't lie to us you know you can say that we're not we can say that we're great but we can see through I can see through you know him saying that that's a really good performance and we're hunting commentary down we achieved absolutely nothing in that game and created absolutely nothing. Um, and part of that was due to the setup that he he put in in terms of, you know, the the ten men behind the ball approach. And even at two 0 down, he's taking a striker off for a strike, and we're still ten men behind the ball on the edge of our own box, achieving nothing. I thought it was a, a really abysmal performance, and it and the people that went deserved a lot better, if I'm honest. And we cannot afford to play like that from now till the end of the season because games are running out. Um, really running out and running out quickly and Huddersfield Town is still in the bottom three. Um, we're lucky that there seems to be a, a mini group of six who um, are in the relegation zone, but I'm sure we'll come on to the transfer window. I won't derail you, but you know, looking at what we've done in the transfer window, we have to do more in games to actually try and win it rather than just try and stay in it. Mm. Yeah, well said. Is that think... what you expected? Is that what you wanted, Brady? <laughs> I, I did want that, yeah, no, because, um, you know, look at you, Matt, you've actually got insight into why it didn't work and me and Tom just say it's crap, but... Oh, I, I, think I just why wanted it was... to say it was crap and move on, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't, because that's my job to say it was crap and move on, but <laughs> it was crap. Um, let's move on shortly, but I think why I felt like so deflated about that is the manner of the performance. Like you say, I'm, I understand we've got to be defensively solid, but... I genuinely think if Town went out to win that and, and lost 2-0, you know, and like had a few shots that actually tried, it's a bit like that um, 
to be honest, it was like that game in the first season under Carlos where it was Bristol City where we lost 2-1, but we absolutely peppered them. If oh, we yeah. had done something like that, I think... I think yeah, everyone, it, had, everyone had said, you know what, we've paid 30 quid to watch this and 50 quid trains or whatever. It's been worth our time, you know, but... To then to play like that and then to try and tell everyone that we played well afterwards is just absolute nonsense. You can't you can't lie to you can't lie to Huddersfield Town fans. We're not stupid. I think for me, I I mean I think if you got a nil nil off that performance, you'd be like, all right. But the way the goals were conceded just wound me up the most because you had you had like four town players round each player whilst they were having the shot and it's. It, that's what annoyed me. I know he's he's trying to go out there and keep it tight, keep it compact. But there was at that moment as well near the end where Hoggy, it's just it was just really slack. Hoggy give it away. Luckily, it ended up being a foul in our box, kind of things like that. Just really slack stuff. Um, but I don't know where do you go from here. That's the that's the most frustrating thing. And um, at the moment, I can't really see much improvement. Yeah. Well. Uh, to be honest, like to quote Neil Neil Wayne from back in the day, it it feels a bit at the moment like it's one and done. Like if the other team scored, that's it. Um, however, let's bring some positivity because we're all feeling mm. negative. Let's talk about an incredible transfer window, or judging on some of the Twitter comments, a terrible window. But let's talk about it because it's time for the transfer window roundup. Sources in Paris are telling me. Uh, very strong language. Some of it I can't actually use, uh, but they're saying it was an absolute shambles. It is the transfer window roundup. Okay, it's slam shut. It's closed. No more deals unless you get a loan deal through for a Nottingham Forest's fourth choice keeper. Um, let's look at who came in. So the ins for town. So I'm going to talk about the ins. I'm going to talk about the recalls. I'm going to talk about who's gone out, uh, and then I'll throw it to you guys and, and get your opinion. So in the door, anti knockout. Florian Cambiri, Jordan Smith, Joseph Hungbo, Martin Mikehorn, Matt Loughton, and Thomas Vlakic, uh, I think. Uh, I should probably know Vaslik. that. Re- Vaslik, there you go. Uh, recalls, Scott High, hashtag Horn for High, Jacob Chapman, Romani Edmunds-Green, Jaheim Headley, Josh Karama, Kean Harrett, Carl Hudlin, Rolando Ahrens, uh, Tom's, favorite, uh, Tom's favorite player, Matt's favorite player, Kieran Phillips, um, although he does have an injury and outs um, the most notable one notable one which will I'm sure I'd be interested to get Matt's opinion on this Sorba Thomas uh, on loan to Blackburn Luke Mbete had his loan spell ended and joined Bolton Aaron Rowe's gone to Stockport County on loan Ryan Schofield has been recalled from Hibernian but gone back out to Crawley Town on loan Big John Russell has gone to Barnsley on a permanent uh, Kane Kessler Hayden's been recalled Belly Gamby's gone on loan to Salford City and Mark Ayan has gone to Dundee United. And finally, Josh Osterfield has been loaned to Morecambe. So quite a few in terms of outs-beating players, really. Um, Matt, I'll come to you. Kane Kes Aiden as well, Brady's gone. That was thank in my list, but thank you. Oh, was it? Sorry. Yeah, it's good to know you listen, Tom, after all these. <laughs> well, We're on listening. episode 99 and you're not even listening to me. Shocking. What's your name again? <laughs> Um, Matt, I'll come to you because I think you were listening like a good boy. Um, what are, what are your thoughts in terms of the ins? Because I, I know we've had a bit of back and forth in the podcast. What's that group? Brady, set me up here. I have. Um, yeah, you're not feeling great about this, are you? I don't think I'm ever going to get asked on <laughs> with what I'm about to say with some of the responses, but 
I think if you roll back to the start of the window, I think despite Mike Fotheringham saying we would use the World Cup break to work on attacking structures, we came back from that break in this 5-4-1 shape. No issue. I've got no issue with that. Uh, if you can get forward and make an imprint in the opposition's box. However, first up, Sheffield United away, and we hit our lowest XG of the season with one shot on target. That's that's just sort of, they're decent. So, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll chalk that one off. Um, then we play Watford at home, who've proven to be incredibly shaky since. We lose 2-0, two shots on target. XG skewed a little bit by Redonian Rhodes, missing a few chances at the end when Watford had, had slackened off. It was obvious that all season we needed a good attacker, a good attacker. Either a striker with pace or one that can stretch defences, score goals. Um, Callan Grant type, if you like. If you can't get a striker, someone who can play wide uh, and come in and weigh in. Um, I don't think the win at Preston changed anything, to be honest. It, it was a pretty poor performance up until Diara forced an error. Uh, and we beat a very poor Rotherham team 2-0 in a fairly decent showing, to be honest. But in both games, we've only had three shots on target again. Uh, against Rotherham, despite how bad they were. Um, it's not amazing, uh, but we won the game, so you know you can't complain. Uh, both games we had an XG of under one. Um, both games shouldn't really have papered over the cracks, but when you look at squad, we lacked a good left back. Um, ben Jackson showed up really well at wing back uh, and left midfield, but defensively he's he's not the best, you know. So um, I don't think he can quite defend well enough at this level if you if you move to a back four. Um, but he got bombed out by Fotherman anyway. So um, we needed a midfielder because we've never had a proper passer of a ball at number eight since Aaron Moy left. And Lewis O'Brien, I, I honestly think Lewis O'Brien is so underrated with, <clears throat> excuse me, with Huddersfield fans because you look at his dribbles per game and he, you know, we weren't the best passing side under Carlos Corbran, but we got from uh, the first third to the final third, mostly by Lewis O'Brien dribbling the length of the field. And we missed that. Um, so we've got nobody who can, you know, help us transition from uh, the first to the second to the third stage. Um, so we, I thought we we pretty much needed that, um, and maybe maybe a, a winger with pace uh, on the other side from Sauber Thomas. And I think if we'd have gone out and got that, I think everyone would have said, "Oh yeah, that's a that's an amazing window." But incomes can vary. Um, as I said, we needed goals or or pace. He offers neither. Nine goals in 77 games in the SPL in Switzerland and League One. He's been laughed out of Sheffield, but his mates with Mike Fotheringham, so, you know, he's in. Uh, and he shut me up, didn't he, when he scored on his debut uh, in the Cup. Uh, <laughs> but then misses it. Another bloke that's way past his best. Two goals in 42 games for Coventry. Seven in 74 if you go back another season. Similar record to Canberra. Add them together, and you've got 16 goals in 151 games. That's about a goal every nine and a half games. So if we play one of them for the remaining 19 games, based on that data, that's likely to yield two goals. Okay, so football, so football, it could be massive, those two goals, who knows? But, okay, football's not basic maths, is it? You know, um, no. both of both of these players have hit periods of form before. They're both, as Dave Hartrick said, streaky. So I guess you've got Rhodes, you've got Ward, you've got Wagon, you've got Canberra, and you need just one of them to be in a purple patch at a time, don't you? So, you know, maybe we could get fortunate from there. And I'd absolutely love one of them to rip it up and, you know, shove that down my throat and prove me wrong. I'd love nothing more. But I look at that and I just think that's a massive roll of the dice. It's a massive gamble um, when we needed something a bit more guaranteed. Um, nothing against the two players, really. It's just, it doesn't scream goal scorer, what, which is what we needed. Um, when I say over 
Christmas, we won both games against Preston and Rotherham, neither particularly sparkling, you would say. Um, we were able to get out from that defensive shape and at least post the odd counter. Who was key to that and who was probably the best player over those two games, would you say, Brady, Tom? Who who scored one and assisted one? In that? Kane Kessler-Hayden. Oh, you're looking blank, so I'll help you out. Kane Kessler-Hayden. Uh, he scored the winner at Preston, assist against Rotherham both times. Getting forward from the right hand side, he started okay against Stoke, didn't he? Back yeah, in the, he back in his first game uh, against Norwich, he came on and I think he assisted one, didn't he? For I think maybe Pat Jones, it was. Uh, mm. Then he's had a bad dip and he's come back and he's looked pretty decent. Um, but he's been sent back because we've got Matt Lowton. Matt Lowton is okay, but in a five-four-one, he needs an oxygen tank to get up and down at the minute. You know, he's he's not he's not crossing the halfway line. Um, and I feel bad for saying that because he's obviously not going to be match fix. He's not played for ages, but sending back a player with genuine pace and who was just starting to come into his own for someone to play five four one when he can't cross the halfway line just seemed like it didn't. It, the joined up thinking just doesn't seem there for me. And I'm sure Matt Lowton will be decent once he's had you know got some games under his belt and stuff. Uh, and if we play a back four, I think then he'll probably look to be a half decent signing. But in the current structure, I'm not really seeing it if I'm honest with you. Um, Joseph Hungbo, I don't mind at all. I think that's a really interesting one. It's a young, hungry player with a bit of pace and a point to prove. Um, he's not an electric signing on the face of it, if you like, to get everyone excited. But I, I think it might, it could potentially be a clever one, that. And I think if I had to put a couple of pounds on who would be the best signing of the lot, I've probably got a feeling he might do well. It's just a young player with a point to prove. Um, Anthony Knockout, Looks like a brilliant replacement for Tino because they're both injured. Um, you know, he's <laughs> it, coming. He's not done back-to-back 90 minutes for two years. Um, he's done it twice this season. Um, it's another massive risk, another big roll of the dice. He's not the same player he was at Brighton. Um, barely even half the player. But I understand what they may be trying to do there. That They're probably looking at him and going, do you know what? If we can bring him on from the bench for 20 minutes. You know, remember, if you cast your mind back to Hull, uh, Brahima mm-hmm. Diara comes on against Hull when we're 1-0 up and he loses the ball, doesn't he, in the in the middle area of the field mm-hmm. and Hull, Hull retain it, recycle it, the long ball comes forward and Hull score. Yeah. In that situation, Anthony Knockhart uses his experience and he pushes you into the corner and further up the field. So I understand there are there are probably times, but we needed really sort of a 90-minute game changer and I don't see him as that. Um, but if he comes off the bench and changes a game or changes two, three, four games this season into our favour then you could probably say, okay, fair enough, that's a success. It's a massive gamble, but if he does that, it's a success. Uh, and then the goalkeeper, we I think this is just bad luck, isn't it? Um, really bad luck on the face of it. Um, with Lee Nichols getting injured. It was innocuous. It was a back pass, wasn't it? That is that is slid for his shoulder and he's, he's out for six months. It's just our luck this season. We, we've honestly had absolutely rotten luck and Lee Nichols is, is a massive player for us and it's taken us 31 days almost, hasn't it, to find a replacement for him. And we've, you know, without giving much inside information away, we've we've almost gone through 10 keepers to find Tomas Va- you know, Vatslik. And we've been able to get Vatslik because Olympiakos have owed us money for Pippa, um, you know, in terms of the transfer with him going to Lugaret. So there's been a deal to be done there. And we've obviously had to do a deal with the devil, haven't we, to get him and... Jordan Smith and Jordan Smith, I see absolutely no point in the signing unless Thomas Vatslick, um, as rumoured, has dodgy shoulders. And it's kind of very Huddersfield town, isn't it, to 
sign a goalkeeper with an injured shoulder to replace a goalkeeper with an injured shoulder. It's, you know, but I have to say if Vatslik's fit, that's an incredible sign. And it, it really is. Um, if he's fully fit and he can play from now to the end of the season, um, I just don't see the point of Jordan Smith with his three games in three years. And that, if you look yeah. at that thing on you on uh, Twitter with his, his best of mistakes compilations, he, and and even in the thing afterwards, Matt Fotherham saying he's going to be third choice. I just think, what's the point when you 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 need a left back, you need an eight, you still haven't got yeah. a decent striker. It, it just it baffles me. Um, um, so that, I, like I said, what, the joined up thinking just isn't there for me. Go on, Tom. Sorry, I've talked for ages. The, the look. So we brought him in, him in on loan. In reg- how many loans? Are you allowed to have like? Because I know you're you're. Are you allowed to have five in your starting squad? You can have five in your match day squad. Yeah, seven. Uh, yeah. yeah, seven. Or you can have five in your match day squad. Um, yeah. and all the while we've managed to, you know, and all the while while we've been doing these deals, we've managed to make ourselves weaker in the creativity department by loaning out the seventh most creative player in the league. And I'm sorry, if you're telling me Sauber Thomas is only creative because of his free kicks, then Lee Nichols only won the player of the season last year because he's got arms. It's a stupid argument. Um, you know, Sauber Thomas was emphatically our most creative player. And at the end of the day, your eyes lie. The stats don't lie. Um, you can you can obviously abuse them to however you want. But Sauber Thomas, whether it was a corner, whether it was a free kick, whether it was an open play, was still creating key passes and key chances Yes, he's he's obviously not the personality-wise. He's obviously come back from the World Cup with a bit of a chip on his shoulder and maybe made things difficult. But that's down to man management again. And, you know, you have to look at Mike Fotheringham and say, well, it's down to you to manage this player um, and keep him in line rather than bombing out the only guy who's actually going to create something. And, you know, it's, people are saying... Jack. Sorry. Ben, Jack- ben Jackson does take a decent corner. Jack Radonis is okay. But Sauber Thomas is when they're decent, are bang on the money and it's they're not comparable. Seems ridiculous to me that, I mean, it, like, again, without, we don't know anything going on, but it, we talked about it last week. It seems like a, a falling out, um, but it just seems ridiculous to me. We've brought in all these strikers who you touched on earlier, like streaky, got purple patches. Well, I think we'd improve those chances if we had the person who can, who's been at set pieces and can put crosses bang on the money sometimes. It's just... Which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Tom. And the other thing, the other thing, the final thing, Brady. There is, if you know, we've gone about Sauber Thomas's open stats creation, but no one's open stats creation is going to be any decent if you put one attacker in the box against four defenders for the last two years. It's just, yeah, a lot of it's circumstantial. And I understand if Sauber Thomas is making things very difficult at the training ground. I understand, or his agents making things very difficult. Then I understand the temptation to get him out and the temptation to bring in a, a loan fee. Um, but I can't see it that it's been used anywhere either. And I think that underpins everything in the transfer window is that Huddersfield Town have had zero money to spend. And they've they've tried to tell us, haven't they, in so many ways, we've got to be creative. We've got to Mark Fotheringham, to be honest, has just gone, listen, we're skinned pretty much, hasn't he? In every <laughs> every in every yeah. press conference. And you know, the reason why we've tried to get 10 goal, you know, all these goalkeepers is because we're, we're literally the back of the queue because we, we're not paying, you know, as far as I know, we're not paying loan fees or, or very little. You know, we, we're struggling with wages and you know, look at the size of the squad now. It's bloated uh, and there's no money. Um, so people can say, you know, I can sit here and say these signings are, are rubbish. But to be honest, they might be the best that the this, you know, Lee Bromby and Dave Baldwin could have done. Um, yeah. because there's very little money to spend. So it's not really just on two people. It's more about the circumstances that the club find themselves in. And 
Dean Hoyle's in the process of selling the club. He doesn't want to put any more money in. That's the circumstance, you know. There's no point leading on about it. It's just where we are. But the one thing really we have is that you brought two strikers in on half decent money. There, you could have got one striker for that uh, for for combined wages, where you know he's more likely to achieve what you want. But who knows? He has to wag on getting ten goals from now to the end of the season. Mm. Right on. Tom, what do you think? I was saying, Matt, that's your hour up there. That's uh, your hour of Huddersfield Town therapy done. That'll be 300 quid, mate. Um... <laughs> I need a couch. <laughs> Literally, Matt has, Brady, Matt's touched on absolutely everything spot on there. Uh, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I, I, the, this keeper from Forest just blows my mind it's like what is that is mad and if you uh Vaslik is injured or injury prone or whatever then I guess maybe but even if Fotheringham saying he's coming out and saying he's third be third choice is mad what's the point in that crazy yeah, the only the only conclusion you can draw is that Vaslik's you know potentially going to get injured because he's failed two medicals this January window yeah. um so if he does then if he gets injured and Jordan Smith comes in and plays well, everyone will say what a genius decision that was to actually oh, have, a yeah. have a contingency plan for him. If Vaslitz gets injured and Jordan Smith plays like he did on those uh, those Twitter highlights, then I think it'll be a completely different story. Well, so, that's I what mean, I mean, to be fair, that's pre pre lockdown Jordan Smith, but you know, post lockdown might be a completely different man. <laughs> Some of those though, Brady, even with the on the club's Twitter, it was like the first bit instance of like this is that this is the goalkeeper was him coming out and flapping for a ball and just about punching it away and struggling to get get up in a bunch of uh, players and I thought you're not you're giving them a bit of a, a bad time there you surely but yeah it said a lot of it that all those highlights were in empty stadiums that's how long it is since he's been if played. it's third choice if it's for third choice you should have just given Phil Senior a ring shouldn't you and said Phil yeah exactly I, I it just seems silly for the learning <laughs> spot like we could have just got a free agent keeper like you know I think that is position where if you need first choice I mean I, I joke with you guys on the chat but I'm surprised we didn't get Lee Camp <laughs> like, I'm surprised he's still knocking about and I, look, I, I was I will stress that, that slick is superb if he's fit that, uh, honestly yeah. it's a superb sign if he's fit so credit where credit's due but you yeah, know what I mean yeah. Kieran Westwood knocking about still free agent. I know he's like 50 or something now, but even if he's just sitting on the third choice keeper bench, it's experience in it and stuff. And it, it's just anyway, sorry, go on, Brady, what's no. next? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, Matt's touched on it there. Like initially, I, I think I'd said on previous pods, like, because they downplayed it so much, the fact that we'd actually brought in, I mean, what if we brought in seven players? Um, I think, like, you know, from I thought we weren't going to bring in anyone. So the fact that we managed to bring players in, and you've talked about it, Matt, like, it's not, it's not a brilliant window. Um, but, you know, from the sounds of it, we've got nothing to work with. And we're, we're at the back of the queue because we're doing poorly in the league. Um, it's just, it's just sad. <laughs> it's just sad. Like, I mean, you know, what is we're on episode ninety nine? Episode seventy five was on Nottingham Forest player final preview. It's just so <laughs> it's just, I just can't believe it. <laughs> like, um, but yeah. Anyway, we'll read out some of the comments 
from the listeners um, for the tweet we put out earlier about what they make of the window. Uh, Lee Morris um, being tongue-in-cheek, I think, here. That's not like Lee. Best transfer window ever. That's what we normally say, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I think he means it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Kasumu uh, says, we need a left-back and a centre-mid. We've signed two strikers and two wingers. One who's injured, overloaded at right-back, forcing us to end the loan of the one-in-form loanee we had all season. Vlakic is great replacement for Nichols, however. Um also, so Russell learned out, saw the Thomas not a good window. Um, James Alleywood says, have they improved the quality of the team massively? Keeper apart, I'm not so sure. Um, Christopher says, apart from Hungbo, who's young, absolutely bloody superb window, is what I'd be saying if it happened three or four years ago. <laughs> it's right, isn't it? It's, it's a great window yeah. for 2017, yeah. Yeah. Vakic is a coup, but doesn't pay for the fact it's been an awful window overall. Um, yeah, uh, Joe Kelly, Huddersfield Town Retirement Home. Um, Jonathan Dyson, ironically, probably a goalkeeper upgrade on Nichols. I think if you look at um, his stat, how I many won the Europa League two years ago, didn't they? So, yeah, he was, um, was one of the best keepers. Ask Cosi, he said he was one of the best keepers in Spain at Seville. Yeah, Cosi. La Liga expert Richard Cosmana. He is, he is absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah uh, we have a Rolls Royce keeping department. What I will say about the keepers, actually. Um, and I think it gets a lot of love on this podcast, but I I really thought like of all the statements because they can be quite wishy washy. I thought I thought Clem's statements were actually quite good and talked about the need for these players um, and like why it's crucial. Yeah, so, I'm a big yeah. fan of Clem. I think he's great from from what I've seen. Really good. I think Tom yeah. are quite lucky to have him. To be honest. Yeah, I mean they were talking about like you know Vakic was talking about um, the reputation Clem has like in the goalkeepers union. So. Um, yeah, go on, Clem. Yeah. Um, but I would say that because we all like him. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a good guy, isn't he? He's a good, decent guy, Clem. Yeah. Um, I think, well, we again, listeners are touching on it, but that we need a left back and a creative central midfielder and it's it's not good enough. I think... We have recalled, we have recalled Headley, haven't we? But I think to recall him and then not really give him, give him a go, you know, there's time yet, isn't there, to do so? But, uh, you know, Mike Fotheringham was quite effusive in, in his praise for Jaheim Headley and We've seen Josh Ruffles. I'm not going to go in too hard on Josh Ruffles, but we've seen him struggle this year, this year, haven't we? And if there's a time to pick a a young player, it probably isn't now. But Ben Jackson did fine. I think if you throw Jaheim Headley in, he'll probably do okay as well. But there's probably a time and a place. But he may between now and the end of the season take take that left back slot. You don't. By the way, they were talking. So yeah, I, I mean the the only thing I would say as well with the, like with our form at the moment is. It puts so much pressure on the defense when you like it's such an obvious thing to say, but every mistake gets overanalyzed if you can't score goals. And that is, you know, just speaking from a pure if no, I was a defender, right. that puts so much more pressure on you as a defender. Because you, no, you're right, you know because that one mistake. Yeah, we put we've put so much pressure on our own defense by by being so defensive and putting ten men behind the ball and standing on the edge mm. of the box. So there's a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. Speaking as man who used to lose regularly by ten goals plus in five side and was the only defender, I uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. You've picked um, the wrong wrong vocation there because you're like seven foot tall. You should be heading stuff away, not playing about five aside where there's a head eye. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll move on from the transfer window. Basically, I thought we could inject some hope into this, um, and it would appear not. So, does anything want to anybody want to add anything before we move on? <laughs> I, I, I could, but it'd be negative. 
the silence says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, everybody's really excited to see the back of Mbete, but maybe we should ask who's paying for him still. Wow, wow. But um, it's just a question. It's just a question because apparently there were no break clauses in him or Tino. So we'll see. But not that that's any of our business. The club have placed anyway. So. Tino's still about the Tino. Kermit the Frog kind of cup of tea moment. Yeah, yeah Tino's still still <laughs> with us, even though he's out for the season. Oh, is that yeah. is that recording? Is that... Yeah, Fobbingham conferred it in the press conference that he's out yeah. for the season. If he comes back and does what he did at the end of last season, then it'll be amazing, wouldn't it? But, um, yeah. Against Coventry and stuff, but fingers crossed. Mm. All I can say is let's all get on the Martin Whitehorn train and let's put all our eggs in that basket. And um, yeah, let's just let's just pray and hope and hope and pray. This, this um, is what right. this could be. This this could be the Martin Waghorn. Oh <laughs> yes, there you go. The conch has been revived. High. Okay. Um, I like it. Well, you talk about it just, you know, those recalls very quickly. At this rate, give them a go. Give Josh Caroma a game. For me. We talked about that. You know, defence, I think Reg is a good defender, but weirdly, I, I don't think, I think we've probably got our best back three. It's just, um, yeah. Oh, on, it's honestly, I, I need to, I need to be positive on this podcast, Brady, because I've been in absolute misery from the first minute. But uh, Mikael Helix, a fantastic player, I think. I think he should have got much tighter um, on Gustavo Hamer, by the way, at the weekend. But I think he's been an excellent signing overall. I think he's a, a really, really top player, Mikael Helix. Mm, that's absolutely. And we'll get a good yeah. fee for him when we're in League One. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> when, when the next club that's just about trying to stay up in the Championship signs him as well. <laughs> um, Lads, I suppose the other one that um, we didn't talk about very quickly before we move on to keep our game, John Russell went to Barnsley. Um, I know we we knew it was going to be coming for a while. Tom's yawning, so I'm guessing he's not that excited about it. <laughs> but um, so I'll come to you first, then, mate. Yawn at me, will you, Russell? What do you think, John Russell? Um, disappointed because I thought he was turning into a bit of a semi-solid player last season. Um, but then it's obviously just not worked out. One thing that I'm just, I don't know, I'm just getting an inkling from Fotheringham is, um, does he just bin people off that he maybe doesn't get on with or doesn't get on board with things? I'm making rumours up here, Brady, as usual, but it just feels that way. It's like the rumours about him and Sorber falling out, Sorber's been sent out on loan. We know that he's come out and said that basically John, he didn't even come out and say John Russell can go look for somewhere pretty much kind of thing. So, I mean, as a manager, but he isn't a manager, he's a coach. Um, it's not a good trait to have. And maybe that's something that we have lacked this season. Yeah. Look at you, Tom, starting conspiracy theories. The two most like big personality players have now left the club. Um, <laughs> right, okay, let's talk about the QPR game. Um, so they're 14th in the league heading into this one. They're 12 points ahead of town, but they are in the bottom three when it comes to the form table, uh, winning just one of their last 10 matches. Tom, it's a home game. It's the first time we've had one since the 1st of January. Do you think that's going to have a positive impact in the team? Because, and I, I, I'm doing a mat where I get in my step before I throw to you because I like it, Matt. Four wins in the last ten home games for town. So, some. Do you think it's going to be a positive? 
Town will win this game 1 0. That's all I'm okay. saying. There we go. Boom. I think it will, Brady. Might not be a pretty performance, but um, QPR are pretty bad at the moment. And I don't know. <laughs> for me, this for this for me, this is the game where it if we have an inkling of staying up, we need to Is this the other day? Is this the <laughs> another day we're talking about? <laughs> this is the game we <laughs> if we stay up, if we this is the one that tells me whether we have a chance of staying up or not. Wow. You hear that players, that's Tom throwing the gauntlet down for you. <laughs> um Matt, do you see us winning this one? You were talking before we recorded, you know, other games not so great. Like we, you know, whole we were ahead didn't work out. Like, can you see Town winning this one? Uh, I think form's probably irrelevant at this point because we're we're pretty bad. But Hull, like I say, hadn't won at home since October. Hadn't got great home form. Absolutely battered. I think second half. Um, Coventry hadn't won in six. Didn't didn't even need to break sweat or get out of second gear to to beat us. Um, so I don't think form's that relevant really. Although Hull, to be fair, hadn't had a bad home record, but away from home they were decent. So, and we defended fairly well for the most part. But uh, I agree with Tom. Actually, I think we can win this game. It, it's it's very similar to the Watford game for me. I thought we could beat Watford, and I got a bit of a rude awakening there. So I hope I'm not in for another one. But I, I genuinely think. We tend to do quite well against QPR. I've just jinxed it, so I touch wood. But we tend to do quite we tend to do all right against QPR. Um we absolutely mugged them at their place, didn't we? We Josh two Josh Ruffles wonder goals. Um, but I've never seen a more one sided battering in my life and a team coming away and winning that than what we got down there. And I'd take the same again. Um maybe we need Josh Ruffles just to let fly from 40 yards in this one. But yeah, I think we can win the game. Um they're not on the best form. They've got a new manager since we last played them. Uh, it's taking time to get to grips with things there. Um, we have a decent record against QPR, but we're not entirely brilliant ourselves. But we're usually useless in January, aren't we? And thankfully, the month's ended. So maybe we've got a little bit of love in February coming up to Valentine's Day. So fingers crossed. I've done a Brady there, haven't I? A bit of a Partridge Brady special. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, you did. Um, yeah. No, I, I think... To be honest, I'm. I think we could win this one. I'm not gonna, you know, the team's playing poor, but we have done a bit better at home, and we have had quite a few away games on the trot. I just, my concern is the atmosphere because that Watford game and some of the home games I've been to recently, we tend to start quite quite well, um, start quite brightly, like maybe not create loads, but like we look positive. And then it just, I feel like teams deal with it and they come back into it. And it's an, it's an obvious, but I, I just, I think the only way we're going to win this game is if we score first. I, I just can't really see us coming back into it. Um, but I do think we could do that. But yeah, um, I well, to be honest, not that I need to do a rallying call to the fans, but like I'm going to do, I'm going on Saturday, I'm going to do absolutely everything I can to cheer them on because I think like, I hope it'll make a difference because, yeah, if the if QPR score first, I, I just can't say it's winning at all. Um, so, yeah, that's nice and positive. Um, <laughs> but um, they do have a lot of good players, QPR, even though we do have a good record against them. Um, I am going to go first for this because Tom's probably picked it or Tom will reel off the entire first team. 
Um, and I know Tom likes this player. Uh, Ilias Chair. He's got 10 goals plus assists. Um, he is the definition, as Harry Redknapp would say, a terrific little player. Uh, being five foot five, he's just Tom. Do you remember? Do you remember um, when we were in the playoff um, playoff push and we were playing QPR and we were like, "Oh, if we went up, I'd get him." Yeah, um, yeah. I'm surprised like he's still there. I can't. I'm. I am surprised he's still there. To be fair, I thought someone might have took a little pun on him in the summer in the prem. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he was top of my list as well, Brady. To be fair, do you want to speak a bit more about him? There, have you got any more stats on him? His favorite hobby? No, no. Um, his favorite? No, I don't know what his favorite hobby is. Um, I mean, he did get called up to the uh, Moroccan team, didn't he? As well, he finished uh, third, uh, fourth at the World Cup. So, um, yeah, good play. Didn't play much though. That's all. That's all I have about Elias Chair, Tom. Who who did you pick? Um, I've gone with uh, Sam Field, defensive midfielder. Sam, defensive midfielder, is his full name, middle name, defensive mid. Um, just because he's he's played a lot of games for them this year, he, he's been quite important, I think, to him. So, um, that's who I've gone with, mate. Uh, yeah, two goals and two assists as well from uh, defensive midfield and about thirty odd games. So. He's only um, 24 as well, so, yeah, good age. <laughs> that was a bit of soccer, right, isn't it? Yeah, it did, didn't days. it? <laughs> right age. Um, a bit dodgy, that, looking back on that. Matt, who's your key player? Um, they've got quite a, a team of players I quite like. Um, thankfully, some of them are out injured out there. Lyndon Dyke, well, not thankfully, in case of Lyndon Dykes, I think he's got pneumonia. Don't, obviously, don't wish that on anyone. Um, yeah. Lyndon Dykes is out I think Chris Willock's probably still injured um, decent player Elias Chair I think is a fabulous player at this level um, mm -hmm. but I'm probably going to say Jamal Lowe is the exact type of striker that I wanted us to bring in in the window um, yeah. and you know he's got pace he's quick um, he's got a goal and assist in three games already um, so I think Jamal Lowe will be a bit of a pest for us but uh, hopefully my mate well not my mate but my Current favourite town player, Mikhail Helic, will gobble him up and uh, send him back to London uh, with nothing. Yeah, have him on a real low rate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, they're one of those teams where they are, I'm surprised they've not been in the playoffs. I know they fell yeah. away quite badly last yeah, year. Yeah, like Rob, Dick, Rob Dickey's right. class as well. Yeah, Rob Dickey's Rob decent. Dunn. Yeah, you know, they've got Sonny Dieng's not a bad keeper. Got yeah, a Few seasons, aren't they? Though I think kind of I flirted a bit and then fallen off, haven't they? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Let's this hope they have one of their falling off days. Yeah, <laughs> well, this year they did it earlier than expected, aren't they? So far, so hopefully they don't have a, a rocket up their ass this next uh, few months, and you know we get a, get a shit QPR on Saturday. Well, Tom. Do you think we'll get a QPR Saturday, uh, shit QPR on Saturday? You'll probably know because you spoke to a QPR fan, didn't you? Uh, tell us about the view from the other side heading into this one. Yeah, I went to meet up with Alex from Our Generation and chat all things QPR. Hi, so uh, I'm Alex Bullimore from Our Generation on Air podcast. Uh, if you want to, you can find us all good podcast providers, Spotify, podcasts and such. Basically, QPR this season, 
Um, well, since the game against you guys, so much has changed. Uh, we've got a new manager now. Uh, Beal obviously departed to go up and manage Glasgow Rangers, and that has left uh, the, the, the squad, the club, and the whole atmosphere around the season in a very precarious state. We've barely won a game since he's left, and in fact, our form was starting to dip uh, in the last sort of five games that he was managing. Um, but since Critchley has come in, we've only won one game. It's like one in 14, I believe. And that was his first game against Preston away. So much promise in that game from so many individuals. And, you know, we did that without one of our best players in the Lynch chair who was playing in the World Cup at that time. But since then, it's it's been, I guess, largely more negative than positive. There's been a small amount of positive performances example being Sheffield United and then majority of the game against uh, Swansea as well unfortunately those were tempered with one or uh, last minute equalizers for the opposition uh, and then also we've had really pathetic performances Luton at home losing 3-0 Fleetwood away uh, in the cup and then most recently Hull away and the atmosphere towards the club is incredibly negative at the moment. Now, obviously, three wins. A lot of those feelings get pushed under the carpet and people forget about that. But for the time being, we're seeing a lot of questions being asked. You know, uh, how good are the players really? Uh, the performance of the director of football, Les Ferdinand, the CEO as well, for failing to fill the stadium. It's it's not been an enjoyable couple of weeks to be a QPR fan um, so this would be a brilliant time to play us so you know that's uh, lucky for you guys I would say um, with regards to a player who is in form um, you would have to be Sherlock Holmes to find one of them at the moment no one is in a good vein of form I guess the only one you could possibly say is Jamal Lowe he scored an assist in his first two games but then you know he was part of the team that lost 3-0 up at Hull he was playing as I believe as a striker in that game not necessarily the best position for him he was playing in that position because Lyndon Dykes has recently been admitted to hospital unfortunately so there's you know we're unsure on the time frame of his return to uh, full fitness Lowe was our only signing this January transfer window. It probably the best that we were going to do. He is a very good player, and you can see that in the good moments of the Swansea game and the game against Reading. Unfortunately, is he going to sort of turn this season around? Uh, I, I don't know. Early signs is that there's not enough from the opposition. Uh, no, not opposition. From the rest of the team to actually kind of push us forward so we're looking at a mid-table finish considering that we started the season so brightly and we know that these players are actually quite good to see us floundering a little bit and uh, falling off is very disappointing and it looks like that we will be sticking around in the championship for one more for another season um, I know some fans are getting more and more worried now about the prospects of relegation and to be fair when you've only won one game in 14 it is I wouldn't say for this season a justified uh, worry, but certainly when you're looking forward that a lot of these players are going to be at the club for next season, you do tend to worry because we've had a 
we had a complete capitulation at the back end of last season when we were genuinely in a very good position to get playoffs. And this year it came a lot earlier, admittedly with a um, a big grenade chucked in by the departure of the manager. Regardless, you've got these players that are soft and they've, they, they, they've capitulated again. Uh, and if Neil Critchley can turn it around, the consensus is that he is an excellent manager because you would have to be an excellent manager to turn this group of players uh, into something more positive. So going into Saturday, I'm not positive at all. I, I thought we were going to win against Swansea and we nearly got it over the line. And if we did win there, then, you know, this could be an entirely different QPR. But we've had... We keep on doing these things where we have these really pathetic performances and then the next game we go and stop the rot. That happened with uh, Reading post-Fleetwood. That happened with Sheffield United post-Luton. Uh, so we may be looking at another one of those. Uh, a resi- resilient performance, nothing too special, but something that will at least, you know, make us QPR fans go, oh, well, you know, they've got a little bit of fight in them. But, I'm getting really frustrated with that. We can't keep going on with the sort of we're really rubbish one game and then let's get, you know, eke out a one or draw and then the other game because just to show a little bit of passion or something like that. No, 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 no. This needs to change. This need, the whole team needs to buck their ideas up. Unfortunately for us, even, you know, I can't see us winning the game. At best, we'll draw it. Uh, but I, I can see us going away again and losing. So, you know, um, I don't know if that would sort of surprise you or anything. Um, I think I don't really watch too much of other championship teams, but just looking at the table, you know, it's going to be uh, a game that on paper uh, some QPR fans would probably expect to win. But, um, you know, with the way we're going at the moment, I don't see where that win comes from. So I'm going to go for another one or draw, and that's going to be me being incredibly positive uh so good luck for the rest of the season obviously not too much luck for this saturday um but yeah <laughs> there we go uh cheers alex for uh coming on again um i'm sure you enjoy your trip up to Huddersfield. <laughs> okay cool so we've heard from alex uh let us take a break and um we're getting a bit more positive as this podcast goes on so if we have a break we'll be even more positive after that burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating they always have their customers in mind their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you and with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, it's mailbag time. One of my favourite parts of the pod. Here we go. 
You've got mail. First question um, from Lord of the Dance, um, a.k.a. my name on a Saturday night. Um, <laughs> he says, has the club become a poison chalice for any new owner or manager? Also, can someone lend me a pound? Um, <laughs> you probably saw <laughs> probably saw that uh, Dean Hoyle has put the club up for sale for one pound with, what, £43 million pounds worth of debt? But, hey, I know, quid, it's, that's, you know, that's nonsense, isn't it, though? It's like £43 million in a quid or something, yeah. Bit more than the quid. It reminded yeah. me of them. Um, do you remember when Arsenal did for Luis Suarez and it was forty million? Oh yeah, 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 did. Yeah. Brilliant that one. <laughs> um, anyway, poison chalice. Tom, do you think it's a poison chalice for any manager or owner? Mm, I don't think so. But we need a we need an owner that wants to actually be here and run the club. Basically, it is at the moment. But until you get someone who actually wants to run it as a football club and wants to do something with it and make, I guess, make money from it is probably what anyone who's going to buy it is going to do, unless it's a fan again. Um, I don't know. Yes, no. There's two answers in there, Brady. Sorry. Throw it over to Matt. Throw <laughs> <laughs> it to Misery Matt, yeah. Well, to be honest, we've seen Wrexham do well with uh, actors. Um, maybe I'm surprised no one's tried to rope Patrick Stewart into buying it. Um, Man, I've already seen someone tweeting him saying, "Oh, really? <laughs> That'd be interesting." Uh, uh, um, Tom, uh, Tom, Matt, uh, do you think it's poison chalice at the moment? No, I don't think so. I think it's just a club that's not been run very well. If I'm honest, um, I, I feel like there are different powers behind the scenes, um, you know, colliding and splintering off into direction. I don't think it's got good leadership at the minute. Uh, the wage bill's low. The training grounds, I know it gets mocked, doesn't it? But it's semi, it is semi, it's decent for this level. So mm. they've got a good training ground. The stadium ownership should be sorted very soon. Um, there's the debts only to one person who's not going to call it in and take us into administration, despite the rumors. Um, so I, I don't think it's actually a bad club to buy because you've got. A man in Dean Hoyle who's taking a lot of flack at the minute. Um, some deserved, some maybe not. Uh, but he's not going to see Huddersfield Town go bust. So you've got a reasonable human being there where you can repayment method with him who's not going to take interest from it. So that's that's a positive. The bank loan is pretty much paid off if you look at the accounts properly. I think they've used the previous years in in that story. Um, so in terms of debt, it's not that bad. It's, it's all to one person who's not, you know, going to kick down your door if you don't if you make it a day late etc you can speak to him and he'll be I'm sure he'll be reasonable um playing wise the wage bill like I say it's not huge if you want to extend that um it's very extendable at this level if you wanted to put the money in so no I don't, I don't think it is I think it just needs a different kind of leadership I think it just needs in his fresh ideas and it needs somebody at the top with a real drive to push it on because I think the main issue at the minute is the club feels rudderless um, I don't think it's a poison chalice. I just think it's a it's a ship, isn't it? Just drifting in the ocean in all the fog and gloom with no one steering it um, or three people fighting over the wheel, if you like. And uh, no, I think I think a new ownership would be great for the club. Um, hopefully it comes in sooner rather than later before things get, you know, people think things are toxic now. I've, I've seen it be much worse than this. So, um, you know, in it comes, Dean goes, um, and hopefully it's a clean break this time. And if it is, 
I'm sure we can all look back on his tenure um, with more fondness, really. You know, you look at sort of 20, 2008 to 2019, that's, you know, that's the some of the best times you'll ever have been Huddersfield Town fan and he was at the head of it. And, you know, that's what I want to remember rather than how he sold the club and exited. So, you know, the sooner it goes, the sooner we can do that, the sooner fresh ideas can drive it forward. And if we're still in the championship, which is a big if at the minute, I think there's a club there that somebody could really take on and push forward. I, I believe in Huddersfield Town Football Club and I think it's a, I think once someone comes in, they'll go, actually, do you know what? This is a bloody good football club, this. And it just needs someone to come and have a look. Well said. I mean, I know we're biased, but I think you spot on. Oh, completely. Yeah. But, you know, you look at other clubs, like purely from a business perspective, and like you say, our wage bill is one of the lowest, and we've proven that we can, you know, we can do miracles and get up at the end of the table despite the financial disparity with some of the other clubs. And um, I think it is, you know, I know there is existing debt, but it's not at the same level as some of the other championship clubs. And again, we've talked about it a lot. It's got potential. It's got potential, this club. And it's just the end of the cycle. Cough, West, cough. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just it's just an end of the cycle. Like we all know Dean stepped away. We know he doesn't want to be here. We know he kind of he did step in because he had to. I'm not sure he necessarily would have done um unless his hand was forced. I mean I don't know, but I just it's the end. Yeah, it was it was it was it was forced, yeah. I think it's it fair to forced. say that. Absolutely. And it's just you're right, we just need we need uh, I think this is the issue with the club and this is why it feels bad because no one really knows what's going on. And if you're an investor, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't have millions of pounds to, to buy Huddersfield Town, but I'm waiting to see what division they're in before I invest until it's a bit more steady. And you're right. I think that's all that he needs. It just needs someone, you know, whether that's a consortium, yeah. whoever comes takes over, it just needs new, fresh ideas. And in a lot of ways, it feels it's the ownership equivalent of, when we sat Powell and Wagner came in, we just need mm, like yeah, something yeah. to get behind, like a bit of a revolution, you know. To, yeah, to if, if someone comes in with big ideas and backs it up, the the main thing is don't talk. You'll just feel town fans have seen enough enough talk, haven't they? I was going to start swearing again, rant. But if you know, we just if someone comes in, is honest, talks, and then backs it up quickly, then I'm sure Huddersfield fans will really get behind it and. Providing they don't stick the season ticket card prices up to like six hundred quid, which could happen, um, then I think there'll be a decent response. I think people would give, you know, someone a, a good go because I think at the end of the day, Huddersfield Town fans are more than reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. Apart from us, oh God, can you imagine spending money on a player again? I'd be so excited. Um... <laughs> a striker. Imagine buying a striker. Well, our first team striker, from... I should say, because Tyrese, obviously. True. Imagine buying a first team striker that's not over um, 30 as well. Anyway, uh, Guy Bradley, he asks, Bromby gets a lot of stick, but surely um, getting Vlakic is a bit of a coup. Um, I know we've talked a lot about Bromby, but do you think, because again, it's, I've seen the Bromby out stuff, do you think he's getting, do you think it's fair stick or do you think it's unnecessary? Um, Tom, I'll come to you because you look... Really happy to answer that question. We're getting all the tough questions today. I think specifically on that question, Matt's kind of touched on it. Um, haven't we almost forced Olympiakos's hand in the fact that they owe us some sort of deal because of Pippa? We needed a goalkeeper. This guy's there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a. On paper, it sounds amazing. He's also had a pretty bad couple of 
years with injury. Um, so maybe it's just one of those that yeah has fallen into place nicely. Um, what what so does do you think Pat? That was like the first half of the question. Then was the second half of the question is does Bromby get too much stick? Was that it, Brady? That was the first part of the question. Be answered the second part first. Um, yeah, the right. first part was does Bromby get a lot of stick? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, it's been a shit show. I'm not like there we go. It's been a shit show this last. Well, this year it's been a shit show, hasn't it? Last year was great, but was last so was last year a fine example of Bromby doing? Do you know what I mean? Bromby did do a good job last year. Technically, he brought in players. Were they players that Carlos wanted or weren't they? But they, he brought in players that did a job, worked really well, got us into the playoffs. We were one of the best teams in the league. So, yeah, maybe. Matt, go on. Uh, that's slick. If fit, brilliant. Um, that's all you need to say. We've said that a couple of times. Lee Bromby. Um it's, it's, it is difficult for me, this, because I went to school with Lee and I know, well, and I've met his mum and dad before. I've, met, you know, I've known his brother. Well, I don't know his brother because he's mates with his brother. But, you know, I've, I've, I know, I've known Lee for ages. I don't speak to him anymore. Um, I did when you know, I scoured for the for the academy. I spoke, you know, touched base again with him. But So it's not like we're best mates or anything um, or speak, but I do feel slightly biased towards him, even though he's a raging chest wanker. Um <laughs> so it's it, it's uh, difficult to to sort of be too critical in some ways, but I'll I'll do my best to be uh, fair. Um, I think taking I think if you look at Lee, um, I think when he first came to the job, the role itself, the the wage bill of Huddersfield Town's around twenty five million quid, twenty six million quid. Year on year, he's had that massively slashed. Um, He's had transfer funds massively slashed. So the wage bill, the, I, I was told the wage bill at one point in the summer was, you know, they were looking at running with an eight or nine million pound wage bill until they went out and got Helic and, and Kane Kessler Hayden. And that would have been the lowest in the league, clearly, you know, comfortably. Um, nobody's going to do a good job with that level. Um, I'll be honest. And there's so much more to his role than just signing players and picking a manager. There's there's so much more. There's the the analysis. There's the medical. There's uh, the academy stuff. And you could argue that the analysis, the academy kids coming through and playing in the first team, uh, the medical stuff stuff. You know, since Carlos was <laughs> since he kept injuring everybody's hamstring. You know how they've got a grip on that. And it's probably never been better in some areas. But the problem with the sporting director is that you always look at the transfers and everybody's judged based on that. And you look at, I can't remember who signed Rolando Aarons, but anybody who signed him should be sacked immediately. But you, you look at, you look at like Conor Mahoney, uh, you know, that, that's not, you know, it's a pun, but it's not a very good one. And when your wage bill is so low, you have to be, it's like they say, you have to be creative and you have to be clever and some of the signings really haven't been clever and the managerial appointments haven't really either up to press. And so people will rightfully judge him on the transfers that have come in and they'll point the finger and say, that's crap, that's crap, and he's shit, off you go. And I understand that. Um, 
But I think when you combine it with what he's working with and what he's had to work with, I think he's in a almost not quite a no-win situation because we got to the playoff final last year. But he's in a, a position whereby he can make absolutely no errors on anything. Otherwise, Huddersfield Town drop down the league. And he's probably done as well in some areas as he possibly could when you look at Helic. Um uh Redoni, I think, has got a lot of potential. And I know of players that Lee wanted, uh, not via Lee, but via other mediums. I know of players that Huddersfield Town wanted in the summer that would have been fantastic signings, but it was vetoed by the owner because it cost, you know, or vetoed by the board because it would have cost too much money. Uh, and they didn't want, obviously, we didn't have that much to spend. And, and I'm not talking tens of millions here. I'm talking like 1.5, you know, for a player and stuff like that. Um, so I know what could have been if you'd have let him have a proper go at it. Uh, you know, and so I, it's almost a shame, but the backup plans are are not very good. And essentially, he will live and die by Mark Fotheringham's appointment and how well that does. And at the minute, I don't think Mark Fotheringham is particularly great, if I'm honest. Um, I can't listen to him pre or post match. I absolutely love putting the YouTube comments on and, and seeing what it comes up at the bottom. There's some absolute belters if you turn the sound off and just watch the comments at the bottom. It's amazing. Um, but Matt Fotheringham for me is not was not the man. I thought we needed experience um, at the time. I thought he screamed experience. It was obvious, uh, and he's. I don't think he's. I don't think he's seen the level of trouble that we were in at that point. Um, and I think he's made a mistake with Matt Fotheringham. If Matt Fotheringham now keeps us safe, brilliant. Well done, Lee. Well done, Fothers. Uh, Matt, shut the hell up. You know, but I, I think. It, as it stands at this minute, I think he's made a mistake with Matt Fotheringham and that is, and people aren't going to let that go and he should be judged on it. And um, if it doesn't go well, then I'm afraid um, people will rightfully gun for him. But the Bromby out stuff, I think you've, I, I get it in some respects, but I, I don't think people always look at the entire picture of what a sporting director or director of football does. And they just look at transfers and manager. The other side of the stuff is he's done is really good. You know, the administration, the organization, all the different departments. Um, but transfers and manager has been severely handicapped by lack of money, hasn't it? For the last two seasons, he got, he did very well one summer since then. It's been very hard to replicate. Um, and he will probably pay for it. I would imagine um, towards the end of the season, but I think the understanding should be really that he's really had a great chance of success either. So there you go. I'm a, I'm a little bit unsure. Yeah. Yeah. I think initially, well, I mean, I, I think I said it on the podcast when they appointed it, but you know, if this goes wrong, this is on Bromby really for Fotheringham. And, um, and that's fair. You make a really, it is fair. And you, you make a really good point about like um, the money and transfers and, you know, I understand, like you say, talking about Bromby out, like, I'll get rid of him. But if your budget's no, if your budget's nothing, who's gonna do like, better? We we could get we could get you know the best football director in the world. Like we, they would still struggle. And to be honest, I remember we Freddie Bob you know, Freddie Bobich, the best football, the best sporting director in the world, has been sacked. Um so Mike Fotheringham, I'm sure, will be on the phone. There we amazing. Go. But, amazing how the best gets sacked, but there you go. <laughs> but I you know we, I remember last summer, um, you know, when Carlos was here, um, when we signed, and we all said it, 
Tomneys, that's an awful sign. Lee Nichols, what this guy from MK Duns, who's not starting for them. Like, so I'm willing to be proved wrong. And like, you know, yeah, I made, my, us, look, made us look idiots, didn't they? Made us look like the idiots that like we idiots. are, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And my, you know, my girlfriend says this to me all the time. Like, you know, I remember when best commentator ever, by the way. Absolutely, um, and not gone to head at all about it. But I remember when we lost to five one to Fulham in that um Carlos's second season, the you know, last season, I I thought he should go. You know, and like look how wrong I was. <laughs> like and I'm willing to admit that. Um I think it's really difficult with Bromby and that kind of taps back into the um you you look at the players and you know ultimately that's what you're gonna judge. You're gonna judge the transfers, you're gonna judge the people. It was a mistake to appoint Danny Schofield. I know Carlos gave us two weeks and and shafted us, but that was a mistake. And then I think the thing that does that is the worst about this is like they should have got someone experienced. And I know Fodroom's not great. I mean, he's got five wins, what in 17 games. But you it's know, from the start of the season wouldn't job. have been wouldn't have been as bad, would it? But it needed a bit more. But yeah. I, I, I think I think if, if Fotheringham goes, Lee probably has to follow, sadly. Um or not sadly, as as some fans will say, will correct me. But I, I think it's partly a shame, but um, and I can't, the football's so dire as well and you, you, your pattern of how you play is implemented really by the sporting director they bring someone in when, to play to a certain pattern and we I can't cope with this 11 men behind the ball play for a set piece stuff at the minute it's driving me mad um, but if Matt Fotheringham ultimately fails then Lee Bromby fails and I think people will call for his head if he does and it'll be hard to stick up for him if honest. Exactly, I think I think that's the thing. Like, it's it's not. Just I want to because I know him, but I, you know, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, if we're going to go down, let's at least go down swing, swinging. I think that's the problem, right? Okay, we we've talked a lot about the grim stuff. Uh, I'm going to finish this before we come onto the team because remember, we are doing a QPR preview. Um, oh, yeah. Jay Bentley, <laughs> he says, "You just ordered a full English. You have to get rid of one item and replace it with another item of food." What swap deal are you doing? Right, okay. So reminder, I'm looking at a picture. I've just Googled full English um, because, you know, people vary. But you've got sausages, you've got fried eggs, bacon, baked beans, black pudding, grilled tomatoes, and mushroom in the one that I've got. Um, anything you don't like on that, anything you've swapped it with, Tom, this is this is your time to shine. I feel like this is a question so right for you. I can, I can keep it as is or I can swap. Did you have baked beans on that list? You have to swap. Jay asks. You have Did to you get have rid of one. Bait beans. Yeah, yeah. they're Just already there. on there. They're already on there. Um. Did you have? Oh, but that sounds perfect for me. That does actually. Then I'd probably take out. I wouldn't want to, but I'd take out the grilled tomatoes then, and just have a few slices of toast. Okay. Okay. Fair, Matt. Honestly, when I see a picture of full English and it's got. Those shit tinned tomatoes on. I just think throw it in the bin. Absolutely <laughs> rancid. Uh, get rid of those shit house tomatoes and replace them with some hash browns. That's what I say. Nice. I don't like um, hash browns. You're a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, the other week we got asked if you what how we have our tea, and mother said we have tea. So I think that's that's a sin. We're a Yorkshire club, and none of us like. Do you tea. mean like cups um, of tea or dinner tea? Yeah, cups, cups of tea. tea. Okay. I just have black. Um, horrendous. Um, 
I'm with I'm you. Not. Get rid of grilled tomatoes. Controversial. I prefer scrambled eggs to fried eggs, personally. Um, <sighs> Do you know what? Scrambled eggs, if they're done on like a, a pan, a griddle pan, they're actually decent. But if you stick them in the microwave, then they, then you stick them on the plate and then they get that rubbish sort oh, of like run off, run off, don't they? So you, you got it. As long as the pan fried, I'm, I'm all right with that, Brady. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably swap grilled tomatoes. I don't, I'm a bit funny about tomatoes. I do like tomatoes, but again, not that this is the question. Hate tomatoes in like a meal deal sandwich. Just grim. Yeah, no. shite out there. Rubbish. Too watery. Um, there you go, Cherry Jay. tomatoes, though. Cherry tomatoes, yeah. <laughs> Fine tomatoes. I'm going to call this pod the tomato pod. Um, okay, <laughs> right. Let's... 99 red tomatoes. That could be your... Um... <laughs> nice. Could even have, could even have the song. You can hear me typing. Um, so okay, right. It's time for you're the boss, Matt. Um, I don't think you've been you've Hello. not been on for a while. So how would you? You know my question. What's your managerial attire? Um, it's been a while. Would you have you had any? Oh, mate, I have to go naked so to distract from the performance on the field. <laughs> but, um, no, I think I, I love a big uh, a big a big coat. You know, what I mean, uh, not quite the Arsene Wenger one. You know, it goes on forever. But you know, like a, a nice sort of um, smartly dressed coat. Um, Probably some some. I probably I like the Carlos look to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, with the mm, cheek, with but more the skinny sort of jean look. Although someone my age and size probably shouldn't wear the skinny jeans, but you know, um, so that sort of look, but with a big, a big decent coat, which makes me look like I'm off to the office. So, nice, yeah, nice. I've I've had just very quickly. I've had thoughts about mine, and I quite liked what Stephen Gerrard had at Villa, like shirt tie. But jumper and then smart smart trousers. Do you not find like shirt and ties like quite uncomfortable? So and when you're in a situation where you're moving around are quite sort of like Yeah, but you can loosen it. And what's great about that is you don't need to iron the shirt if you just chuck and jumper on. Just do the Maybe you could go like Chris Powell, you know, smart at home and then you tracksuit away. That's I quite like that idea okay. actually. Probably Chris Powell's best idea. Tom? You making excuses for not ironing. Oh, where is you <laughs> off of it? <laughs> What's out of that? What's the point if you're like, oh, I'm, I don't need to? Well, then just wear a tracksuit. All right. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> realize you felt so strongly about this. Not with the peep out of you in like 10 minutes, and this is this is how you come back. Yeah, well, this is I just been pented up anger about town, and I've taken it out on you being like, I don't want to wear a, I don't want to iron my shirt, so I'll put a jumper over the top of it. I, what if you want to be smart? But like you can't be bothered. I attract so if you can't be bothered. What if you want to be smart? Anyway, Ready. this is fictional. Bothered. If you can't be bothered, you can't be smart. Okay. <laughs> quite, I quite like that saying. That's gonna be in Fotheringham's next press conference, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll look out for it. Um I mean, I'm not gonna to be town manager, Tom, so don't worry about it. I mean, but who knows at this rate, it's pretty shambles. Well, yeah. uh, you know. I Okay. Anyway, so let's talk about the lineups. So oh, uh, the best commentator in the world's just walked in. Appreciate that as well. Okay, <laughs> so they lined up in a three-four-two-one. God, how long have we been going on it? Uh, Billy Kapic, Lee's, Helic, Pearson. We was uh, the four, and then were well, you back three and your keeper? Then you had Loughton, Hogg, High, and Ruffles. Then Radoni, Holmes, and Big Jordan Rhodes. Um, Matt, what would you change? So let's assume we've not had the team news yet, but let's assume our new keepers are fit. Um, are you ch- are you changing the formation? Are you changing 
players? Would um, I'm a bit unsure, really. Um, all I know is that I would completely change what Mark Fotherham has been doing. Um, <laughs> there's there's two there's two ways to go about it. Either a three four three, which is similar to what he's been doing, but he has to play a more attacking wing back in like in Ben Jackson on the left ahead of Ruffles, um, or he goes four three three and has Hog as a deep line midfielder that can drop into the five to make up the five when we're, you know, we're in defence, which Carlos did really well uh, last season. Um, I'm not sure which I prefer. Uh, I think if I go 4-3-3, I, ha- I will bring Kamara back in regardless. Uh, I think Scott High's okay. Um, he's, he's a plug-and-play footballer, isn't he? He passes, he moves, he, he works hard, um, physically struggles, but um, he's, he's, and without being unkind to Scott, you know, Etienne Kamara's head and shoulders above him figuratively and you know in, in literally. Um so Kamara comes looking for me. Um I'm not sure any of the strikers particularly take Rhodes striking role away, even though Jordan's not exactly on fire at the minute. I would start Hungbo, I think. Um out wide. I, I, just for the pace, you'd have Ben Jackson on the left, you'd have Hungbo on the right, and at least both sides can stretch the opposition and and maybe uh, get behind. I think the interesting bit is where you go. If you play 4-3-3, who else do you play midfield? You'd probably have to play Kamara and Radoni as a central midfielder. Um, or if you go for 4-3-3, Radoni plays you know, wide left. Um, so it'd be probably the same personnel, whatever. Maybe it could be interchangeable. Um, the only issue really is whether you pick uh, Marty Pearson or not. Um, but if, it, if we do go a back three, I would have Marty Pearson on the right because he looks far more uncomfortable on the left to me at the minute. It's, it's the way he comes across to tackle. He comes across with his right foot. And when you turn like that, it just gives that split second for a winger to get away. And he gave one or two fouls away against Hull and, um, and Coventry, whereby he got the wrong side. So, And Tom Lees is quite comfortable. Well, more comfortable than Pearson on the left. So I'll probably swap those around if we do. But for me, 3-4-3 three, three or 4-3-3, three, three, just make sure you pick either Jackson or Hungbo so we can actually get up the field. Yeah, I've gone. Uh, I've gone four two three one. I mean, I don't think he's going to play that, but I'd have new lad in net. I'd have a back four of Loughton, Lee's Helic. I would drop Pearson just to get um, Jackson. And I think you're right, Matt. I, I think Loughton would look a lot better in a four. I'm going Hogg and Kamara as my two, and then I'm trying to think who would be on number ten because I actually think Redoni's looked all right. Redoni, maybe. Yeah, I was debating. Dwayne. That. I, I, I put Dwayne, so I've got Hongbo. Holmes and Radoni is the three, uh, and then I've got Rhodes because I agree with you. I think um, Rhodes is, you know, he can score if he just needs to have chances to score. Um, but yeah, it, again, if it's not working, it's all about the bench. Like we've seen these players play them. You know, it's not. I saw a comment where Fotheringham was saying, you know, letting people go out because we've got players in good form. I would disagree <laughs> with that. Um, so, like, give them a chance. You know, I think oh, it's a, it's yeah. a slate. So let just let them let them go and you know the fans will get behind them because they're new so you know um yeah that's what I'd do Tom what would you do um I don't know what I'd do but I mean he's gonna play he's gonna play three four two one isn't it that's I feel like that's what he likes to play um and those last couple of home games as he played that he played that against Luton and Rotherham um, it's just whether he's going to get him. I'd like to see Hungberg probably start for if anyone in that Coventry game kind of looked semi up for it and decent going forward. He did. Um, 
And then <clears throat> you've mentioned Jackson. Yeah, I think Jackson's a good shout. Because I mean, if you're going to have that three at the back, you need at least one of those wing backs to be decent going forward so that, you know what I mean, they can drop back into a back four if they need it pretty easily. But you've still got actually someone who's going to get up and down. And at the moment, I just don't think you've got that. Ruffles can run, but he's just offer anything up there, unfortunately. Um, so I think Jackson does. So pop him in. Um, in the middle is interesting because I, I do like Kasumu and it's, um, yeah, that I've, that's a pickle for me. So don't don't press me on that one. But yeah, a mixture of what you guys have said. <laughs> Uh, um, I think yeah, we're we're all a bit near. So let's uh, let's end before we finish and move on to the another fun section. What's your score prediction for this one, chaps? Tommy, you already said one nil, didn't you? I've done it, one nil, one nil, uh, and let's have it. Yeah, Rodoni's gonna score one nil. <laughs> Playing out the classics. <laughs> Do you know what? That was my answer. I can't see Town scoring two goals. So uh, I I think one nil win, uh, and I'm also going with Donny. Matt, what's your prediction? Uh, one nil, one one, that sort of thing. I can't see us getting more than two. It'll probably be Martin Wagon. Now I've said all that since before, <laughs> or something like that. So um, yeah, it's gonna be Martin Wagon to shut me up in it, and then he's gonna run over and shush me. Having listened to this podcast, obviously, I reckon. <laughs> if he does that, I hope he does. I'd love it. Yeah, he's immediately oh, my, my favourite player. Oh, he'd be my <laughs> favourite player as well if he gave me some stick for that. It'd be, be amazing. Um, okay, cool. Right, okay. Well, let's... Come on, let's cheer ourselves up and, and finish this podcast. It's time for Kwana's question. Uh, a few change, the things change, but also a lot of things are still the same. Kwana's question of the week this week is who is your first Huddersfield Town hero and why? Uh, I'm going to read out the fans' comments, the fans, the listeners' comments, and then I'll come on to you. Uh, Ricky normally says, uh, Paolo Abba had that something that no other player had in that era, also scored good goals. Stephen says, first hero, question mark. Mine has to be Derek Stokes, the first goal I saw at Leeds Road in 1961 when Huddersfield Town beat FA Cup holders Wolves in the FA Cup third round replay. Over four, 46,000 at that match. Some player that. Some player that. Um, I was not born for another 33 years, so I possibly can't comment. Um <laughs> Hogwash says, it's got to be Mark Lillis, top scorer when I got my first season ticket and got me and him on a T-shirt for Terrier Trek 1984. Oh, I bet that was a class T-shirt. Um, Steve Cole says, Mark Lewis as well. Couldn't understand why he wasn't picked for England. I was six at the time and also <laughs> didn't realise we are in Division 4. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, and Joe says, Rhodes, because he's the GOAT. Uh, we got a lot for um, Marcus Stewart. Um, so I think that probably tells you the age of our listeners, but also what a class player. Um, but yeah, and that reminded me of the players in Division 4. I've talked about this before, but do you remember when people were saying Tom Ince for England when he had a decent spell oh, in town? Christ, yeah. And Hog for England as well. And Hog for England. I would have loved yeah. Hog to get an England cap. Madness. Um, yeah. If Ricky Lambert could get one. Um, anyway. <laughs> or Jack Cork, yeah. Yeah, Jack Cork. Oh, and Jake Livermore. He got more than one, didn't he? Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Tom, who was your first Huddersfield Town hero? Bill Senior. 
Oh, do you know what? To be fair, Phil's Phil is up there. To be fair to him, I've got his shirt and I, I've got I've got his shirt signed where I don't know. I'm sorry, Phil, but I don't know how you fit into that shirt, mate. Um <laughs> it's absolutely ma- it's still massive when I put it on and I'm fucking a big lad now. <laughs> um and then I guess John Stead's up there because I um got one of his England shirts when he left and started playing for under 21s um but i'm gonna go with uh i when i i had a few heroes and they were people who ran the young terriers when i started going to town which was i think their names are Stuart, gerald sue and joan and steve those five absolute legends and i started going to young terriers when it was still at the sports center and one of the first town players that I ever met was John Forrington. And that was quite a special occasion. And it was John Forrington. And um, it was when we used to have a lunch at the sports centre. So it was like a really shitty burger and chips. Um, yeah. And it was I was so starstruck. It was like, whoa, John Forrington? Bloody hell, he's American. Um, so, yeah, maybe John Forrington's my first hero, Brady, when I do think about it. Nice. <laughs> And good. To, I, I like that you shouted out um, someone who's not who wanted a player as well. I think that's nice. They oh, were because they were they ran it the whole time I went, um, and I was there. We went for ages because we literally just turned up, played football before going to watch town. It was great, um, and I, I think it might. They still sit in the same seats. I don't know if they still um, still run it though. Unfortunately, I don't think it exists anymore. But it was a great little thing that they did that was I'll, I'll nip in quick because uh, you touched the player John Stead I um, yeah I loved him um, I still think he, I, I'd love him on this pod not not that he'll listen to this but he seems like a right laugh as well so I think um, even now as an, uh, as an older man I still think he's a bit of a hero <laughs> as an older man as an older man <laughs> bloody hell Brady as a, as a withered old man who who's aged about 40 years in this season alone um, Matt who's your who was your first Huddersfield Town hero? Finished 40 years on this podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, my first hero was Craig Maskell when I was young mm-hmm. um, because he used to score all the goals. And I just remember we used to get penalties at Leeds Road and everyone used to run and scale the fence. Uh, and I was only sort of littlish. And uh, I just remember everyone being really excited and how everyone used to scale the fence and he always used to score and everyone would be going mental. And So Craig Maskell and then... He went to, uh, we sold him to a, a more progressive club called Swindon Town, which was a bit heartbreaking at the time. Uh, so I didn't really have a massive connection with him, but I always liked the goalkeepers because I was a goalkeeper. So Steve Hardwick, Lee Martin, uh, Lee Martin, who ended up being my physio at one point, and what a nice guy he is as well. Um, Steve Francis, massive fan of Steve Francis, but I think Phil Starbuck was possibly my first proper Huddersfield Town hero. And I even used to have my, Still, my hair's still like full Starbucks, but I used to have the, the Phil Starbuck um, do back in the day with the blow dried to the side thing and, and stuff. But yeah, he was my uh, my first, the first one, and he used to score some proper thunder bastards as well. So yeah, <laughs> Phil Starbuck. Fair, fair. I um, I think it's so funny because like your first hero is someone who gets the goals, and then as you get a bit older, you're like, oh, do you know what? Oh, like, love a good centre back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You see um, where no, kicked that, was... that out there. <laughs> exactly. You see where he got it forward. 
No messing around, <laughs> that lad. Straightforward. That's what they want. Don't know, no. And um, we will probably end it there. Um, we will, you know, get rid, as it were. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been a long one, but I think we all needed a bit of a good rant. Um, but, you know, a nice little end there. Um, but before we end, I would like to thank Tom and Matt for joining me. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And I would also like to thank our sponsor, as always, which is Magic Rock Brewing. Don't forget, you can get 10% off all online orders with the code AHTTC10. Uh, and, you know, use it or lose it, although it'll always be there. But do use it. And I will also be going to the tap room, as I always do for home games on Saturday. So do come and say hello if you want a pint or you want to have a go at me for being a negative bastard. Up to you. Um, but we'll do we'll end it there. So ta for now and up the town. Up the town. So town play up. Bring the car back to others Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, muck nugget share box, spot on. Order muck delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.